So the world, as was said, the world is celebrating the birth of the Jewish Messiah this uh, weekend, this Monday. And any day that Yeshua is celebrated is a good thing. Um, we, we don't congregationally celebrate Christmas, although I am new to the Sunday service that I um, I'm now serving at, so uh, they do have their Christmas service tomorrow. Feel free to come and pray for me that it will literally be the very first Christmas service I've ever facilitated in my life. Everybody's very happy for me, except for a few that are giving me thumbs down. We can talk later. But it's still always worthy, and I have to say that in spite of, I mean, we know, you know, and it's often said, you know, we know that December 25th wasn't the day he was born. We know that, and we know that a lot of the traditions, you know, around uh, Christmas do have their, you know, you can solid line link them back to pagan traditions that happened, you know, 1800 years ago. Uh, we, we know that, but on the other side of it, and I did share this on social media, on the flip side of it, you know, sometimes I think that Messianic Judaism doesn't give enough, doesn't give enough recognition of the birth of the Jewish Messiah. I mean, it was, it was so important that the gospel writers wrote about it in detail. Many of the circumstances around it, who visited the baby, how they visited the baby, there's much detail. Angels came in and spoke about it to, uh, to, to Joseph and Mary. Did you know that Mary's real name is Miriam? We know that because the Greek word that's used for Mary, uh, which really translates, I guess, mostly to Maria, but it's the same word that's used in the Greek versions of the Old Testament, which predate Yeshua when they talk about Miriam, the, the, the sister of Moses. Same word. So really, her, her name was Miriam. But the angels came to visit mom and dad. It was important enough for them to visit. It was important enough for um, Anna, a prophetess, to visit the baby. It was important enough for this Jewish man, this older Jewish man said, like, it felt in the Holy Spirit that I'm going to see the, the Messiah, the Savior, before I die. And he went and saw him in the temple. So it's, it's really an important thing. It's important enough for the prophet Isaiah to, to prophesy about it. So in one way, yeah, we know about the roots of it and things like that, but in the other sense, sometimes I don't think we give it enough, enough recognition. The birth of the Messiah, the Jewish Messiah, is an important event in world history. So I'm going to talk a little bit about that today. And uh, do we have the PowerPoint up? So I've spoken, about the, um, I've spoken about the birth of the Messiah at our Feast of Tabernacles celebrations multiple times, but I'm not sure how many people have heard it, so I'm going to give a little bit of an abridged version Today, now, like I said, we don't we know that he wasn't born on December twenty fifth. I mean, it, that's not a, a controversial thing to say that he was um, that he wasn't born on December twenty fifth. But is it possible that there are little breadcrumb trails that the gospel writers in the scriptures gave us where we can surmise at least the time period that Messiah was born? And the answer is yes. There are some little breadcrumb trails that we can follow. And I'm going to give an abridged little teaching on uh, where those breadcrumbs lead us. And it says here, I'm going to start with, um, with Elizabeth. Now, Elizabeth is the mother of John the Baptist, right? And she was pregnant, it says, for six months when the angel came to visit Mary, Miriam, and declared over her that she's going to become pregnant by the Holy Spirit. So this happened, this is the angel talking. This is the angel talking to Miriam, Mary. Behold, even your relative Elizabeth herself has conceived a son in her old age, and she who was called infertile is now in her six months. So Elizabeth was six months pregnant when Mary conceived Yeshua. 
Does that make sense? Elizabeth was six months pregnant. This means that John the Baptist is six months older than Yeshua. So if we know that Yeshua is six months younger than John the Baptist, John the Baptist is six months older than Yeshua. We know that because Mary became pregnant when Elizabeth was pregnant for six months. So they're six months apart. If we can find the time that Elizabeth, mother of John the Baptist, conceived, if we can derive that time, we can go six months and say this is the conception, the Immaculate Conception, and then go a normal pregnancy time and we can get to the time of the birth of Yeshua. Does that make sense? Turns out you can. So in the days of Herod, oh, this is very sensitive, isn't it, this little guy? Wow. Okay, in the days of Herod, king of Judah, this is in the beginning of Luke, there was a priest named Zechariah. Now, this is the father of John the Baptist, right? So what do we learn about him? He's a priest of the division of Abijah, or in Hebrew, Abiyah. And he, had a, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron. Her name was Elizabeth. So this is Zechariah and Elizabeth. This is the mom and dad of John the Baptist, right? Zechariah and Elizabeth. And we learn that Zechariah was a priest, which means that during that time, he worked at the temple. He was one of the dudes that worked at the temple, right? But when, when did he work at the temple? That probably was my fault. When did he work at the temple? We actually have a clue on this because it says that he was part of the division of Abijah. Now, this is a part of the scripture that many people would just gloss over because we don't know what it means. It's just extraneous detail. But it's not extraneous detail because it actually means something. If you dust off the old book of 1 Chronicles, now how many here read the entire book of 1 Chronicles today? <laughs> how many read it within the past year? So anyway, if you go back to 1 Chronicles 14, it says these are the divisions. Now let me just go back. He's in the division of Abijah, right? Abiyah. That's the division of Zechariah, right? If you go back to 1 Chronicles, here are the divisions, of the descendants of Aaron. And I'm not going to read all of these, but I will say the eighth, there he is, Abijah. All the way back in the Old Testament. Right? And I'm not going to get into all the details, but what happens is the, uh, the first guy, Jehoiarib, that, it was one week, one week work, starting in the first month of the biblical year, the Jewish year, which is the month of Nisan, which is in the spring. Without getting into all the details, going through it, it turns out Abijah is in his division, is in a temple, roughly, I'm just, in, in, in our Gregorian calendar, roughly mid-June, but it's really about a week or so after the holiday of Pentecost, or Shavuot. So it's in the third month of the biblical calendar, roughly June-ish. You know, it's not really a natural linkage between our calendar and, and the biblical calendar, but roughly, you know, mid-June-ish to late June-ish. That's when he was in. So we also learn that after that, Elizabeth became pregnant. So let's give him a little bit of time to walk home, rest a little bit, you know, and then, you know, you know. So let's just say she becomes pregnant around, you know, a couple of weeks after Pentecost, or just using the Gregorian calendar, roughly around late June-ish, ish, okay? Six months after is when Miriam, Mary, was told that she's going to be pregnant and becomes pregnant. So that means that the mother of Yeshua became pregnant when Elizabeth was in her sixth month. That lands us at Hanukkah. Did you know that the light of the world was conceived 
and the Festival of Lights. Is that crazy? Go 40 weeks from there, a standard 40-week pregnancy. You know where that lands us? Right at Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles. So this is why I surmise, now this is a little bit of horseshoes and hand grenades. It's ish. Remember, I'm Jewish. So it's a little bit of approximations, but it seems that Yeshua likely was born during the Feast of Tabernacles, the Feast of Sukkot. Is it even possible that the structure that they put him in, they said they put him in a manger and the feeding trough, trough. Is it possible? Now, normally we think of the structure as what? As like an animal stable, right? We think of the structure as an animal stable. Is it possible that it was a sukkah? If it was the Feast of Tabernacles? I'm going to tell you that I think it is, and I'm going to go all the way back to Genesis. Jacob journeyed to Sukkot. There's the word, right? The Feast of Tabernacles, Sukkot. And built himself a house and made Sukkot for his livestock. Therefore, the place is named Sukkot, which means that at its root, the sukkah that we build... At its root, at, at, at Tabernacles, the sukkah that we built, at its root is, is a stable for animals. So is it possible that it really was a sukkah that he was born in? And I think it is. And let me tell you something. The, the, the blessing of this is not really at, uh, totally identifying the day or the time period that our Lord, Yeshua, was born the, the blessing and the meaning of it is really what the Feast of Tabernacles means. This is the holiday that commemorates God dwelling with his people. It even says at the end of the Bible, behold, the tabernacle of God is among the people. It's always been, and God will be among them. God will be among them. Hello, Emmanuel. And God will be among them. It's always been God's desire from Eden onward for God to dwell with his people. It's always been his desire. It's never been his desire to always be the distant, unapproachable, unattainable God. He's always desired to be the God that sits next to Michael. And Hadassah. <laughs> and to give Hadassah a hug. It's always been his desire. Even, the, even in the tabernacle, when we see the, the Mishkan. Now, for those who are new here, Mishkan David, the word Mishkan means tabernacle. It's a tabernacle in the wilderness. It's not a sukkah tabernacle. It's the tabernacle, the sanctuary where he was. But it says, make me a sanctuary. Make me a sanctuary so I could dwell among the people. It's always been his desire to be among us. Not to be distant from us, but to be among us. And isn't it precious that on the, on the day... Possibly on the day that celebrates, that commemorates the promise that God will dwell with his people. That God will dwell with his people. That God came down and clothed himself in flesh in the form of the Messiah, of the Mashiach. On the day that it's celebrated where God will, where God will dwell with his people. It says in, in Isaiah... The Lord will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive. This is from the Jewish Bible. And give birth to a son. And she will name him Emmanuel. 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 
God is with us. God is with us. And how do we know it's God with us? There's another passage from Isaiah, the scripture in Isaiah, another prophecy. It says a child will be born to us. This is also in the Jewish Bible, the Old Testament. For the child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace, Peleioites, El Gibor, Aviad, Sar Shalom. It's not just that God came down and wrapped himself in flesh in the birth of the Messiah. It's not only that. It is that, but it's not only that. What came down was the word of God. The word of God. It says the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So if you're able to see, you know, even, and he's the word. It says in the beginning was the word. In the beginning was the word. This means that Yeshua was the word of God before creation. In the beginning was the word. At, in Revelation, we see he is, this is with the, the white horse coming. We're at the end of Revelation. He's clothed, clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the word of God. So in the beginning was the word. When he comes on the white horse, he's the word of God. And when he came as a baby, it was, he was the word. The word became flesh. So if you're able to see what this sukkah, this manger, this stall looked like, if you're able to see it in, in spirit, how can we do this? I need two volunteers. I need two volunteers. Come on, John. I need one. Come on. What's your name? What's your name? Freda? Fredel, Fredel Emmet. Got it. Come on. Come on. Fredel Emmet. So can somebody, can you grab the... Uh, the tabernacle, not the tabernacle, the, uh, the, the canopy. So it, can you both hold together, like pull it apart? I know it takes a little, takes a little practice and uh, there you go, I think you got it. Just bring it here. Oh, I think you're gonna have to switch it out again. I think you got it on the, on the wide side. There you go. There you go, now come to the front. And open it up wide, keep it taut. Yep, taut and wide. So if you have eyes to see, and if you don't have eyes to see, let's assume this is the sukkah, the stall, the animal stall, where Yeshua was born. And then I need like a, some, sort of, some sort of table. Susie did so well on the drums, maybe I could use that. So this is the feeding tr trough. Trough. Tight, tight, tight. Open it. Ah, stretch your arms like Jesus did. Okay. So if you're able to see it, this is where Yeshua was born. If you're able to see it. What really came down, what really came down wasn't just a baby. What came down
This is what came down because it says the word became flesh. Because the word had to come close. Because God gave this. And believe me, when John said, in the beginning was the word. Now, when we think of the word, we think of the entire Bible, the Old Testament, the New Testament. And that is the word of God. But I tell you that at the writing of the Gospels, the word was the Torah. It wasn't fully codified yet. There were, there were, there were books here and letters here and, and there, were, there were religious writings and there were prophecies, but it wasn't fully put together as the full beginning and end word of God. That didn't happen yet. That actually came a little bit later. When, when the writers talked about the word of God, this is what they meant, the word of God, because the word of God was something that always we, the people of God need to attain to because God doesn't want, he wants us to have faith and works. Faith without works is dead. Faith is our belief in God. Faith is our belief in the Messiah. The works is, is, is living a righteous life. Is living a righteous life. And God wants us to have faith, and he wants us to live a righteous life. But it says in one place in the Torah, like, who will descend to heaven to get this thing? Who will do it? It turns out that humanity could never live up to the full expectations that are in the Torah. We do our best. We can do pretty good. But ultimately, when we stand before God, humanity has a choice. Because we're all going to stand before God and be judged. We have a choice. Every one of us, you, me, everyone, we have a choice. Do we want to stand before God and have him go through our life, how well we lived it compared to the doctrines and the, and, and the righteousness that's in this book, in these books? That's option one. We can go there based on our own righteousness and say, how did I do God compared to this? And I tell you one thing that everyone, including the most orthodox of orthodox Jews, will fail. Will not reach the level. So the word had to come down and become flesh and dwell among us. And this word that became flesh, Yeshua is the full word of God, the full word of God. Yeshua the Messiah never sinned. Yeshua kept Torah perfectly. All, everything that's in these books, in their Torah, speak of him. He is the living word of God. He's the fullness of the word. It all speaks to him. All law, all prophecy is fulfilled in him. So he gave his life. So he gave his life. So all of our shortcomings for not living up to this standard went on to him. This is why the word had to come down. The word had to come down. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. And this is why it says, you know, we talk about the new covenant and we have communion in the Sunday group, especially every week, there's communion every week. And I've been speaking about communion because on Sundays, because the communion happens based on what Yeshua did on Passover, right? He said, this is my, this is my body. This is during Passover. This is my body broken for you. This wine, this is the blood of what? The new covenant, the new covenant for you, poured out for you. But what is the new covenant? We see it in Jeremiah. This is the covenant. This is the new covenant, which I made for you, which I will make for the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my Torah within them, my Torah, my law, my Torah. I will put it within them and write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. This is the new covenant. It's the Torah on our hearts. It's righteousness in our hearts. But we can't attain to this 
We can't attain to it. So remember, the new covenant is the Torah. Where? It's the Torah in our hearts. But Yeshua, when he came down, he is the word. He is the Torah. The baby in the, in the dilapidated sukkah is the word of God. And where does Yeshua want to live? In our hearts. This is why it says in the, in the, in the New Testament in Paul, Christ in you is the hope of glory. Do you understand that the new covenant is Torah in our hearts and now we have Christ in you? We have... Okay, this thing's got to go. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives where? In me. This is the new covenant. This is Torah within. Do you understand? Yes? What's that? Are you guys tired? Are you tired? Okay, so why don't we put it back then? It's okay, so why don't we put it back? Let me help you put it back. He says in Ephesians, so that Christ may dwell where? In our hearts. This is the New Testament. This is, this is the new covenant. This is the new covenant. It's the word that came down. The unattainable word came down to dwell in our hearts. So, as the world is celebrating the birth of the Jewish Messiah, at this time, there's really another birth. Because when we accept the word into our hearts, we become born again. Born again. You know, there was one rabbi who told me recently that, you know, some people come to him and that are struggling with homosexuality, and they'll say, yeah, I was born that way. And then the rabbi actually had a good response. He said, yeah, you were born that way. I was born another way. We all were born with, with sins. All of it. It's not a matter of how we were born. It's a matter of being born again. I'm not going to argue with you on that one. It's not a matter of how we were born or what we were born with. It's a matter of being born again. It's a matter of being born again. And on the day, today, and this time, as the world is celebrating the birth of the Messiah, I tell you right now that when Yeshua is in your heart, when you accept Yeshua in your heart, I don't know everyone here, and I don't know where you are spiritually, but when you accept Yeshua in your heart, it's Christ is born again in you. We don't think of Christ being needing to be born again, but I tell you that he wants to be born again in you when you accept him. And that is where the angels are screaming joy to the world. Glory to God in the highest. When a son or daughter accepts the word into your heart. You know, it's always been God's desire. Always been God's desire to spend his time with us, to dwell with us. And there's a future scripture, a prophetic scripture 
It says, those who are alive who remain will be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we'll, there it is. We'll always be with the Lord. There it is. He always wants it to be with us. And here's a scripture in the end. We're caught up to, and we'll always be with the Lord. We'll be with the Lord forever. If you want to be a part of that story of meeting him in the air, you have to have him in your heart. You have to accept him. It says in Acts, there's salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven that has been given among mankind, which we must be saved. So what does that mean? What does all this mean with all this religious speak? It means that we can either stand before God at the end and with, with being shown how well our lives matched up to this. And if you want to do that, you have a choice to do that. But Yeshua, God, knew that we can't live up fully to this. It's not an excuse not to live a righteous life. But we can't live up to this expectation. We cannot. We never will. We won't match up. So the word came down. The word came down to become sin, to become our shortcomings, so we can be the righteousness of God. So you have two choices. You can go before God on your own merit, or you can go before God on the merit of the Messiah himself. Those are the two choices. And anyone here who is still trying to do it on your own, I encourage you on this time to give your heart to God and to say, I am do a pretty good job. I try to do a good job being a good person, but I know I can't meet up to this expectation. Not to merit being caught up with him in the air. Not to merit that. I might do some good things and some not so good things. It says that he who knew no sin became sin. So we can be the righteousness of God. My rabbi, Rabbi Peter, put it this way. He puts it this way. He says that he doesn't say that Yeshua died for us so we can live for him, which is true. He says Yeshua died as us so we can live as him. So, Father, anyone here who has not accepted the atonement of the Lord, remember, living with him forever and being with him forever, there has to be atonement. This is why Yom Kippur comes before Sukkot, which is the kingdom holiday. There has to be atonement before the kingdom. There has to be atonement before the kingdom. And Yeshua is the full, complete atonement. If there's anyone here who hasn't received the complete and full atoning work of the Lord, Father, I pray right now that anyone who hasn't received will just come forward today. Lord God, come to me, come to one of the elders, come to somebody and say, I don't want to stand before God based on how well I did it. I want to stand before God based on how the word himself did it. And give your life to God in that way. In Yeshua's name. For those who celebrate, I wish you a very Merry Christmas. For those who don't celebrate, have a good day off of work. Shabbat Shalom.